He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Welcome to the fifth episode of Not Your Average Cricket Show. Where we're hitting traditional cricket commentary for six. I'm Zoe George. And I'm Justin Gregory. We're following all the action from the White Ferns as they compete at the ICC World T20 in the West Indies. We bring you analysis, cricket puns, history from the Cricket Museum and guest hosts. And you can also join the conversation on the RNZ Vox Pops app or email us cricket at rnz.co.nz. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And of course you can listen to us on the RNZ app. You can also hear some special cuts on RNZ Nights with Brian Crump, Monday night at 7.30. On today's show we cross to Guyana to talk to the White Ferns following their fourth and final game of the tournament against Ireland. And we go back to the Cricket Museum to hear about something that will live in infamy. But first up, today's co-hosts are both huge cricket fans as well as musicians. Sam Scott is a founding member of the Phoenix Foundation and Nick Buckton is the bass player from Voom and current head of sound at Native Audio. I hear you're also their reigning ping-pong champ, Nick. Oh. I am, actually. We don't have a uh, ping-pong table anymore, so I think that's... um... (laughs) It's going to be a forever thing. Right, you're the retired champion, cannot be unseated. That's right. You've got to grab sporting glory where you can, but you were quite a good, you were quite a good um, cricket player as a young lad, weren't you? I, I, was, I was quite a child star, I've got to say. Um, very, very obsessed by the game. A lot of Martin Crowe pictures on my wall, which I still have. Not on my wall. Uh, they're rolled up and put in the cupboard. But Well, I can tell you firsthand that having a lot of cricket pictures on your wall does not necessarily make you a good cricket well, player. But well, you yeah. played rep cricket, didn't you? I did play a bit of rep cricket for uh, North Harbour and then uh, Northland. Um, unfortunately, I had the temperament of a four-year-old child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like most it's, cricket players. It let me down, so I decided to become a musician instead. It was much more well-suited. Actually, that's unfair. i got a four-year-old child, and i got to say his temperament is far better than mine was as a, as a cricket player. But, uh, yeah, wow. I, um, I did well as a child, but then I, um, once I hit my teenage years, I discovered um, bass guitar and, and grunge and realised quite quickly that um, you can't score a duck playing grunge. And... Uh, so true. So true. Yeah. Sam Scott, similar story? No, I'm terrible at cricket and always have been. Good I just, man. I just um, <laughs> like watching it. <laughs> Excellent. Did you play, though, as a young fella? I did play a bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can kind of bowl. Like, I can kind of bowl normal in an unembarrassing way. And I can't really um, hit a cricket ball very well. And um, I can't catch a cricket ball. So that sort of... Rules me out, really. However, um, I might be speaking out of turn for you, Nick. You are the only one amongst us here to have been in a cricket music video. I have got a cricket music video, yes. And I have written about about cricket for The Guardian, which I think is one of the most hilarious facts in my life. That's great. I've been in a cricket music video as well, actually. Maybe we need to change your introduction to cricket. We should a little high five. (laughs) So at this point, Zoe and I will hand the podcast over to you two. Have fun. And um, we'll be back in about (laughs) half an hour's time. Okay, so quick wrap of the game that was on today. It was New Zealand's last game at the ICC T20 World Women's Competition and it was against Ireland. Both teams had nothing to play for except pride. Ireland won the toss, elected to bat, and we managed to get them all out for 79 runs, which is less than they scored against Australia the other day, but that's just by the by. And we pretty much walked past them, didn't we, Zoe? Mm. Yeah, Bates and Devine came in and started well. We were able to chase down the target in 7.3 overs. Some highlights, wicked maiden for us in our bowling innings. Susie was the first woman to score 3,000 T20 runs, and Sophie equaled the fastest 50 for the tournament. So it was really great batting from us for a change. <laughs> 
all too little too late. Nick, Sam, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, it was there wasn't a huge amount to take away from it other than um, Sophie Devine's just um, smashing innings, really. It was incredible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm just sort of wondering with this team whether they've missed a track. This is my one fact factoid for the thing, which is just with Kerr. Like, I just wonder why they don't play her up the... <laughs> well, this is a question we've been asking all Every series. Every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she's obviously one of the biggest hitters in the team. And I don't know. That was just the thing I was worried because coming in late to this tournament, I was just like, hang on, isn't she the like superhero? I feel like overall the New Zealand women have bowled really well and really consistently. India got away in us, but then mm. they've gotten away on everybody. Mm. But our batting has largely been reliant upon the two top order players who haven't always fired. Well, to be fair, Susie's be- Susie Bates has been there or thereabouts every game. But yeah, I wonder whether we've got the batting lineup right. What do you reckon, Nick? I think they were on a hiding to nothing today, really, weren't they? They had to smash Ireland, who, all due respect, are a bit of a minnow. And having, like, they, the, the New Zealand team didn't meet expectations. They kind of said they wanted to win it, and they didn't make the semi-finals. So, you know, it's a dead rubber game. They had to come in and smash them, and at least they did that. They achieved that, yeah. Mm. Unchanged team against the team against Pakistan the other day, so yes, they had mm. something to prove. And um, made a pretty good, calm, controlled, professional fist of it, I thought. Mm, very much yep. so. Well, let's cross to Guyana now, to Bernie Bezadenhout. Hi, uh, Bernie. Congratulations on the win against Ireland. Oh, hi there. Thank you. Yeah, good to have a win uh, with our last game. A bit bittersweet, though, Happy isn't it? Days. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, the girls have performed really well. I think from the first game, we've made progress every game. So good to get two wins. Today was a, a bit of an epic day for the team, managing to strangle Ireland for 79 runs and then chasing down that total within 7.3 overs. What was the feeling within the team coming into this game? Look, um, we, we're, all, we're a confident team, so we're going to every game as confident um, as every other team will be. You know, we, we back our press, so t- today was no different to any other, t- um, any other day or any other game. So we had confidence going in. But knowing that, you know, Ireland, um, they've got some good players, so we had to make sure we did our basics well. And, yeah, Sofa and Susie just came off of the bat, so very happy there. Hey, there was a rumour going around amongst the commentary team that Katie Martin might be announcing her retirement. Anything to that? Oh, no, that's not that I'm aware of. Um, I think Katie's proven that she's in the form of a life, so... We'll, we'll be hoping that Katie goes for as long as possible. She's in great form at the moment. I completely agree. It did seem like an odd thing, but they were watching her singing the national anthem before the game, and apparently she was very emotional. There were tears. Maybe just how much she feels about the game, eh? Yeah, look, um, she's a very passionate player, um, passionate about re- uh, representing her country. We all are. You know, it's always a proud moment uh, putting the phone in our chest. So Katie's, Katie likes to wear her heart on her sleeve, so... Yeah, so I'm not surprised by that at all. What's the plan for the rest of the week? What happens for the team from now on? Uh, well, we we have an early we have a flight at one a.m. Uh, on Monday morning. Yeah, Monday. So we have the day off tomorrow, and then one a.m. we head off to the airport. Cracky, that's a bit rough. One a.m. flight. You don't get to hang out in the yeah. Caribbean and go to the beach or anything. Um, not so much. No, um, oh, unfortunately, Diana, we. We've just been um, 
we've been training hard, you know, as all teams do, and then we've basically just had some downtime um, at the hotel. Yeah. And for you, when you get back to New Zealand, is it straight into the domestic competition? Yeah, so we have one week off, and then the following weekend we all play a domestic round. So um, the hard work doesn't stop. I'll probably take a couple of days off and then get straight back into training, preparing for our domestic uh, season. And so will you be gathering together once you get back in New Zealand to go through this review process? Um, not that I'm aware of, no. Look, um, we've, we've had a chat, a brief chat after, um, after our game, and look, everyone's in good space. Um, we, we fought hard this tournament, and we've made great progress. We have, a, we have a, a few very experienced players, but also a few very inexperienced players, and I think um, that's what people just need to realise. We're also we're not fully professional, you know, so I think us as Kiwis, we've punched above our weight, and we're happy with where the progress of making as a team. But the goal was to try and get to the semi-finals, eh? Yeah, look, it always is. We Not just to the semi-finals, we came into this wanting to win the World T20, you know, um, and we believed 100% that we could. Um, look, we were up against two quality sides first up. Um, India, Harman Kerr, she, she, had a, she had a great knock, you know. Sometimes that just happens in cricket, especially in T20 cricket. If one player just has go get off to a flyer, it's very difficult to get back from that. But again, we showed good fights in that game. I mean, it wasn't we didn't crumble, you know, and we, we posted, I think, 160-odd, and we came close. And same thing against Australia. It wasn't, it wasn't a walkover, and we really showed a lot of fight. Um, again, like I said, we, we've done everything we could um, from each person. You know, we've put in our hard work pre-tour. We, we went in there believing that we could win this. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Who's your pick, then, to take the tournament out? Um, I think it's going to be between the West Indies and India. Oh, that's um, a good I'm, pick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm backing. I'm backing the West Indies. <laughs> oh, big call, big call. Home grounds—they've been playing really <laughs> yeah. well, but India looked like the form yeah. team of this competition. Yep, good, two good quality sides. I think um, uh, the West Indies look like they're really enjoying it. You know. Um, like you said, home advantage. Um, I'm going with, uh, yeah, going with the Windies on this one. That was Bernie Bazaden Ho talking to us from the White Ferns camp in Guyana. And she's picking the West Indies to take out the competition. Nick, Sam, what do you reckon? I, th- I, I don't know. I think India are more likely at this point. I'd say India, Australia, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe, like, yeah, it sounds like know. the West Indies have a lot of uh, all-rounders from what I understand. Um, so if someone's having an off day, they can chuck someone else the ball and Vice versa with the batting, they can swap the uh, the batting lineup. Obviously, the pitches are pretty slow, like we've discussed, and maybe that's an advantage to the West Indies. They're used they to it. it. Yeah, I mean, mm. but I mean, the Indians seem to be scoring a lot of runs regardless, so mm. maybe it's not such a factor. Jacob Orham described these pitches as subcontinental, and he said he thought India would mm. do really, really well, and that's yeah. been the case. So yeah, I'm going to go India. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go India as well because they beat us. Uh, and they, well, no, I want to, it's true, they did. And it would be great to see a team that beat us go on to win. Mm. Yeah. That's, and they smashed Australia too. They did. So, like, yeah. so they deserve to be there. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, it would be great to see them against the West Indies. You've the got West, to love yeah. a prediction that doesn't have Australia in the final at all. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. Feels good inside. But, but also, I mean, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, India are the biggest cricket market in the world, right? Mm, and so are. it's this actually great. great for the women's mm. game if India do win the World Cup. It really 
helps push things along and gets more money into the game in general. Must absolutely. be overall good for women's cricket, surely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's a good thing overall. So let's go a bit more over the game. Um, Ireland won the toss and decided to bat, which mm. I thought was a bold choice and possibly a disappointing choice for the spectators watching the game. Leah Tahuhu was on the money right from the very start. Just one run from that first over. Fantastic. It was great to watch. Yeah, and fast. Did the way of yeah. Slipping Gully after first couple of balls. Couldn't understand why. It wasn't like they were getting on top of her. <laughs> no, but it's also, that's part of the psychology of cricket as well, though. You know, if you put a slip or a gully in there that first over, it's like, yeah, this, so I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to place the ball and, and mess with the heads and then you take them away. So it's all, you know, cricket is a psychological game as well as a skillful game. Well, that went deep. Boys, got anything to add? <laughs> Well, I mean, Ireland looked like they could have got a decent score. They, mm. It wasn't a terrible start, um, but it was a terrible finish, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, well, they, well oh. they lost their last six, seven wickets for about ten runs. That's never going to yeah. get you over the line, is it? I think it's fair to say that while Gabby Lewis was batting the, the Ireland number three, they looked like they might get something that would make New Zealand work a little bit. She looks very comfortable at this level. Overall, Ireland, some of their players look like all they need is just more games, you know, played at the international mm. level. Yeah. And they'd be absolutely fine. Others looked like maybe this was a, a couple of steps too high for them. Yeah, they did look a bit average at times. But you've got to say those pitches in the West Indies aren't conducive to bold stroke play. And I think if you're not used to how yeah. slow they are, Especially with our spinners, it's pretty hard to get away. Yeah, completely agree, completely agree. And we bowled well on this pitch today. Um, mm. Interesting stat that came out of it. Um, everyone's talked about these pitches as favouring the spinners, and that's obviously true. The number of stumpings that have been in all the games, the, and you know the, the, the players of the match have largely been spinners. Leah Tahuhu, our fastest bowler and probably the fastest bowler in the competition, has the highest percentage of dot balls in this comp- competition at 56%. That's remarkable right. for a fast bowler in these pitches. Yeah. Mm. Well, fast bowling's not easy to face on slow pitches either, you know, getting used to the to the ball. Especially if it's coming at you fast and then sort of holds up, it can be quite confusing, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it was really fantastic to see her uh, bowl today. And and what I really enjoyed watching is that the first few overs, we were able to limit that run rate um, for under four Mm. per over, which was, you know, incredible for, for T20. At its peak, it got to 4.6 and then just kept dropping down and dropping down and dropping down. I think it stuck at about 4.3 or there or thereabouts. Um, nice to see the White Ferns smiling today. They were relaxed. They were, weren't and they? And it was telling. And, it, it, and, you know, there's a lot of talent in that team. There's a lot of experience. There's a great mix of experience and then, like, really exciting young players. And I think the fact that they've, you know, flaked out so early in the tournament, um, it's got to come down to the psychology. They They just weren't relaxed, didn't have the right headspace for the first couple of games. Yeah, that game against Australia, they were, you know, you look at their fielding display. I think I was saying to you earlier, Bob Simpson said that you can tell the health of a team by the way they field. Yeah. And they were pretty sloppy and you could tell they didn't want the ball to come to them. And, you know, when you're low in confidence, I think they've lost six, seven straight. Mm. You're not going to have a lot of confidence. And you could kind of see it in their body language. And obviously um, that drop of Healy was proved to be quite crucial. A little bit, yeah. Tense hands, hard hands, and the ball just bounces straight out. But um, we held everything today. Mm. Exactly. When the pressure's off, yeah. it's a, <laughs> you know, yeah. it shows they have the ability. Maybe it's just a mindset. I, I do think it's a team that could go far, but, you know, there must be... A, I mean, I don't, we, there's a few players there who've been around a long time. Is there, like, retirements coming up? That, that's sort of... would be the worry, like... 
I mean, how old is Susie Bates? It seems like she's been playing forever. So we had this discussion the other day. Susie Bates is younger than you might imagine. It's just that women <laughs> debut at a very young age. I know some of these players have got like sort of 30, 40 games and they're like 18, 19 mm. years old. Mm. It's, it's crazy. There was a rumour one of the commentators was saying they thought it might be Katie Martin's last game because she was very emotional during the um, singing of the national anthem. Seemed like a stretch. There's no rumours that we've heard, are there, Zoe? No, I haven't heard anything, but I am aware that there is going to be a review after uh, this tournament is finished. Um, obviously, going into this tournament has been quite tough for the team because they had a change of leadership structure as well. And I yep. think it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that review to see whether or not that has been a positive thing. They haven't won anything under Amy Sathaway's leadership. Uh, but at the same time, on the flip side, Susie Bates has just cleaned up with the bat. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, Sathaway's betting has been, been terrible this tournament, right? It's really... Yeah, she's had one reasonably good innings against um, Pakistan. The others have been a little less than um, extraordinary. But um, she finished off the game today for us, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves into the New Zealand innings. But, yeah, you're quite right there. There are some questions to be asked. Those reviews happen as a matter of course, but mm. this one might be a little bit more pointed. Mm, absolutely. Something um, that we haven't addressed in the in the first innings is DRS. There oh were Lord. a few LBWs uh, that mm. Ireland didn't take upstairs and should have. Why do we think that they're not using it? Well, I mean, the one that they didn't go upstairs, which was clearly missing, I thought that was bang on in real time. So Yeah, I agree, I me know, too. It was quite confusing to see that going past the wickets. Um, I thought it was spinning back the other way. but I wonder whether it's that inexperience at international level thing again. You don't know what your rights are. You don't know whether to go for something or not. You're just a little bit nervous. Possibly. Mm-hmm. And how many tournaments do they play where they have DRS, whether it's TV yeah. and stuff? I mean, it's possibly just an well, experience. this thing. is the first time that um, DRS has been available to women. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, 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 that's well, probably... There it goes. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, the other teams seem to have been going for it. Yeah. And we've used it a few times. Yeah. Well, if you look at the men's game, Kane Williamson goes for it every time and is always wrong, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, when they did go for a DRS, which I thought, fair enough, it's, what was it, the second to last over mm. of the game? Why yeah. the hell yeah. would you not? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was out. But anyway, never mind. But essentially, in the Ireland batting innings, almost nothing but singles for them against us. The odd two, mm-hmm. every now and then a four from Gabby Lewis, but basically no one else. We strangled them. Mm. Yep. That's all you I can th- say. <laughs> I think there was just a telling difference between a professional team and an unprofessional team, just in the way, just you could just see it in the the way they swing the bat. You know, mm. as simple as that. It just didn't look like a professional team. And the bowling. I mean, if we, I don't know if we can jump to the second innings, but the bowling was just terrible at times. I mean, <laughs> they definitely took the pitch out of the game with uh, some of their <laughs> some of their full bungers, eh? Yeah. Lordy, a lot of full bungers. Our yeah. bowling stats, on the other hand, um, Kasparik 3 for 19, which was a top performer for our side. Mm-hmm. Amelia Kerr 2 for 18, Leah Tahuhu 2 for 17. And as we said before, Gabby Lewis was the top scorer for Ireland with 39 runs of 36 balls. And she looked good, but got out. Mm. Well, let's move on to the second innings. Uh, interesting that we were talking earlier about Ireland being amateur and New Zealand being professional. Uh, the fact is that we're not really professional, not compared to the likes of India, Australia and England, who have sunk a lot of money into their teams, and I think that showed at this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. They get yeah. The... The, the, we looked professional today, though. <laughs> we did look professional. Ireland took the field, New Zealand came out to bat. It was the last game for two of the Irish players, Metcalf and Shillington. They didn't have great games in their last game, unfortunately. No. We only needed to get four runs per over to win the game. Susie Bates, Sophie Devine opened. Boom. 
Yeah, Divine came in, smashed around a few sixes, one of them up into the stands. It was glorious to see her do well with the bat. The first two games of this tournament, she uh, obviously didn't do very well, and then she came out against Pakistan and did quite well. And today, 51 off, I think it was 21 balls, which is a uh, record with Healy from Australia for fastest 50 for this tournament. So it was spectacular to see her bat. Just, I think it might have been a little bit, too little, too late, possibly. I think so. And Alyssa Healy didn't play that fantastic forehand overhead smash that um, <laughs> Sophie Devine played that still somehow managed to go down to third man for four, but never mind. Yeah, she, good. She, was, she was being very kind of inventive with her shots and almost like a tennis shot and a couple of slap shots. And yeah, oh, it was great to watch. The other highlight was Susie Bates reaching 3,000 T20 Yay. runs in this game. First, First female woman. to yep. do it. It was Well, fantastic. that's a lot of runs. I know, right? And yet it doesn't seem to be covered all that much in, in the media. Well, that's an interesting thing. Is like This tournament hasn't been in the media really at, at all. And it felt like last summer the women's game was starting to get a bit more coverage. And um, it's almost like the media thought, oh, we've done that for you know a month now. We can just move on again. But I really think you know people would be interested um, if there was more of it going around, especially like you know watching an innings like that with, with such clean, huge shots. It's just, it's entertaining and it just, it needs to be, people just need to know it's on. Yeah, unfortunately it clashed with the uh, All Blacks Irish game. Um, yeah, but, you know, yeah, they well, won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silly man's game. Okay, so basically there's not a lot to say about the um, New Zealand batting innings. Uh, Ireland did not bowl well. They didn't especially field very well. I thought there was some very sloppy keeping from their wicketkeeper Waldron. And as a former wicketkeeper of no great note myself, I don't particularly like to see that. Um, player of the match was Sophie Devine. Fair enough uh, for her. 51 off uh, very few balls, as it turned out. I think it was 22 21, in the end. Tw- yeah, the 22 yeah. in the end, yeah. It was spectacular to watch. And yep. she got everyone caught shook hands. Off a, yeah, everyone, she got caught off a really easy shot, though. Like, it, it was quite lazy. Came off the edge of her bat, and it was just... Again, it was the same sort of shot that she played against um, Australia when she got out for duck, I think. Uh, yeah. Hmm. We're a tough crowd here, aren't we? She bashes 51 <laughs> of 21 and we're calling her lazy. Well, yeah. no, no, she's not lazy. That was just a lazy shot. There's <laughs> <laughs> okay. a difference. Right, of course. Didn't you, I was sort of thinking when, you know, when it was really ramping up, I was going, this would just be so good if it was one of those last game of the... Um, of the group where you had to get a certain run rate yeah. in order to get mm. through. I was oh, that like, would have been good. And then I just started imagining that we had to get it in this many balls. And and then, of course, we slowed right down right at the end. And, and my sort of weird fantasy in my head crumbled anyway. We didn't get through <laughs> <laughs> even in my pretend version of the tournament. What was our goal in your fantasy mind? Oh, I can't actually remember what it was. I was just sort of thinking, oh, she needs to get a six from this next ball after getting her 50 and then, then we'll get through. And then she got out and then it all kind of... A little bit tumbled. So in the end, New Zealand won two games out of four at the tournament. The two last games are neither of the two games that counted for us. We do not go through to the semi-finals. Uh, Jacob Oram said they were there to win it. We're definitely not going to win. No, that's right. We spoke to Jacob Oram and Amy Sathwaite before the tournament started, and they were like, realistic goal was to make the semi-finals. Yeah, didn't even come close, unfortunately. Well, let's move on. We continue our mini-series about hidden treasures at the New Zealand Cricket Museum. Today, we deviate a bit from women's cricket and instead get a close-up look at something that will live in infamy in the men's game. 
So if you look here, we've got a skeleton pad from the late 1800s. So, oh, wow. Um, it's called that because it's sort of got a bit of a bone structure to it and that there's holes in between the bits of padding. And then at the other end, we've got Chris Martin's infamous pads. So um, <laughs> still the same kind of concept and do the same sort of thing, but both very distinctive looking pieces of cricketing equipment. Yeah, I wonder how many runs the person who wore the skeleton pads scored compared to the runs who wore the Chris Martin pads. Yeah, it's a, it's a good and fair question. Yeah. Um, when I started working here, people would say to me, what is the one piece of cricket? equipment you want to have in the museum and my answer was always Chris Martin's batting pads. Why? Why do you want Chris Martin's batting pads? Oh look, they, I, I've played a lot of low grade club cricket and the number of times that an opposition batsman has looked in trouble and the fielding team have asked him if he got Chris Martin's batting DVD for Christmas, there's just something about them that I think they're kind of the every person's batting pad. And they're not, I mean, they don't even have a knee roll on them, do they? So No, it's just, it's just a piece of, of folded, uh, folded foam. Um, they probably got hit as often as Chris's bat hit the ball. <laughs> Um, oh, poor Chris. Oh, Chris is a lovely guy, and he was he was very open to giving us um, his his batting pads. How did you ask him? He's like, so you, you sure you don't want a ball where I took a, a record number of wickets, but you want my batting pads? How did that conversation go? Um, well, we I actually met him at his house, and he he went under the house as as many cricketers store their gear there, and he pulled out about three gear bags with with stuff in it. And he said, look, what do you want? And I said, okay, great. Well, I, I, I eased into it and I said, look, a pair of your boots would be great because we've got boots dating back to sort of the early 1900s and it's good to see the progression there. And, mm. and we'd like a, a test shirt, obviously, and if you've got something from your time playing domestic cricket, that'd be great. And if you're not doing anything with those batting pads... Um, that'd be that'd be you know that'd be nice, um, and he was he was fully open to it. And to be fair, he wanted to keep the balls that he'd um, taken five wickets with because they look good on the mantelpiece. That was Jamie Bell, curator of the New Zealand Cricket Museum, talking about Chris Martin's pads. <sighs> they actually have quite a lot of red splodges and stuff on them from the cricket ball. I think. I was going to say blood. <laughs> blood. <laughs> there is, they have got a bloody jersey. I think it's like Martin Crow's. Like blood splattered um, oh, from against Bruce Reed in Australia. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. When he got clocked in the head. Ooh. Yes, I, I remember. I was watching that game as a kid. I think this must be what you're talking about. Bruce Reed dropped one short. Crow went to try and hook it. Got it in the face. Wasn't wearing a face guard on his helmet. Ah. Yeah. Went down in a, in a in a smoking pile. Came back a little bit later on. Scored a hundred. What that's a just legend. What Martin Crow did. Yeah. yeah. Total yeah. legend. Did you see the uh, face guard that the keeper from Ireland was wearing today? The hockey guard? Yeah. I think it's a sensible thing. Who wants to wear a really heavy helmet when you're wicket keeping? Yeah, in a hot environment like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made yeah. it look like a criminal, though. It's very scary. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit Hannibal Lecter-ish or something. Before India arrive to play against um, the White Ferns, there will be, we talked about it earlier, um, there will be a review of the mm. T20 tournament. New Zealand Cricket's high-performance general manager, Brian Stronich, said a review took place after every world tournament, regardless of results, that's correct, that's absolutely true, and was reluctant to comment on what had gone wrong with the tournament that's still in progress. It's a World Cup, he said, and we want to win World Cups. We're not overly happily happy that we've lost, but we want to beat good teams. What do we reckon? What are the issues? Why have we gone wrong in this tournament? Leadership. Leadership, that's one. Pay, I mean, money, making us yeah. a priority. 
if we want to win, then we need to start pay, playing, uh, paying our players what they're worth. England, as we've said, England, Australia and India are doing just that. Their women's teams are being supported significantly by uh, their organisations, their governing bodies. I understand the argument to why people don't want to uh, invest in cricket, particularly women's cricket, because, you know, they don't bring in the crowds, they don't bring in the money, and yet we put money into development of the game. We need to start treating our women properly and it's just to be quite honest it's unacceptable they're earning three hundred dollars a day that's it to play for new zealand it's disgusting wow far out and does the fact that they didn't achieve a uh, great result in the world cup kind of further hinder their chances of getting more funding you know it's mm, a bit of a good question well i mm. i actually hope not i hope that this is a, a proper kick in the guts for new zealand cricket um and they need to address this seriously because they're putting lots of money into the men's game and that's great and they're putting lots of money into the development of the game which is great but the future of cricket is women more women are going to watch the games more women are spending their dollars at games we are choosing to go uh and you know and if we want to attract more players then women is the way to go uh, and we should be able to make a career out of it it's as simple well, as if that if these double headers go well i think that will be a big signpost to the future and i think they're gonna go well if the media get behind it mm. and i think that's actually mm-hmm. probably a bigger problem than anything is yeah. just the media being so focused on on rugby that you know even men's cricket barely gets a look in for most of the year. Well, I mean, I always like December and January because, you know, you might actually get yeah. a cricket story in the, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the mainstream media and you're not constantly get, fighting against rugby coverage. You might get Mark Reason writing something completely <laughs> baffling about cricket. Actually, he has recently. It's been quite good. Well, the thing the thing is, though, and research and statistics show that only about 10% of sports coverage is that of women women's sport Um, and that the vast majority of those in sports newsrooms are men so when you get more women into sports newsrooms you're more likely to get more coverage of women in sport and there's been a group called the W Group which has been set up by the likes of Melody Robinson from Sky Sport which I'm a member of which brings together talented sports journalists both men and women to advocate for better coverage of all sport there's also Whisper which is women in sport Aotearoa which also kind of do the same thing they push for better coverage and access for sport to sport for women and that's a really positive start but we need to change our, our mentality around the way that we talk about and engage with sport when it comes to women in sport It seems like combining the um, the men's and women's games in ways is, in any way you can is a really positive thing as well because that's obviously worked extremely well in tennis which you know obviously there are still problems in tennis in terms of pay equity and things like that but that is a that is a code that you know generally if you're into tennis you know everything about the women's game as much as you know about the men's game it's like it's Mm. pretty much equal footing in terms of you know the fans are into both Mm. so and that it all happens at once and so these double headers could be really interesting for that because you know basically you just want everything to be uh, to be a in front of people's eyes so that they then just enjoy it and get into the narrative of it. Well, the Big Bash in Australia, uh, which features the women's Big Bash, is more popular than the men's. Wow, well, there yeah. you go. And they do a lot of double-headers, don't they? Mm, they do. They kind of combine it. And they so make it a right, festival activity. The men and the women play in the same tournament. They're not on mm. at different times of the year. They're not on in different years. They're, How about know, at the next World Cup, we combine both men's and yeah. women's games into the one competition? Before we go, we try to, we don't always remember to, but we try to get our guests to give us a bit of a pro tip from their own experience as either a cricket player or for whatever you do in your life, really. So, Samuel Scott, Phoenix Foundation singer-songwriter, what's your pro tip? Um, 
my pro tip is that you should always take a, some little soft cushion when you go to the basement reserve to watch the cricket because you just get a sore bum eventually. You're going to be there all day. That's a very good pro it's tip. It's a great tip. <laughs> yeah. Nick, what's your pro tip? Uh, my pro tip is don't rub it. <laughs> <laughs> I see where that reference is, is going. Yep, for sure. You, get, get, you, get, you don't know that. No, I don't oh, know. Okay, explain it to me because there okay. might be listeners who don't understand. Well, you, you're, you're batting I and mean, you, yeah, when you bat, you always get, get hit somewhere, right? On the thigh, somewhere it's not protected. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. And you just don't rub it. That makes it worse? Yeah, yeah. That was quite a common sledge in our team. It was a friendly one. If someone gets hit, you just go, don't rub it. Just walk past quietly and say, don't rub it, mate. <laughs> was it actually about the pain or was it just look staunch? Oh, it's, it's kind of, it's faux staunchness, I think. <laughs> right. It's faux staunchness. <laughs> and keep your eye on the ball. Always yep. a good one, always a good one. Fantastic. Well, this has been an epic show and I think it's time that we go now. <laughs> Thanks, Absolutely <Bert>. right. <laughs> Nick and Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, in the studio with us today and uh, and giving your insights into cricket and the White Ferns. It's been greatly appreciated. Thanks for having us. Oh, enjoyed it immensely. Thanks very much, guys. Not Your Average Cricket Show was produced and presented by me, Justin Gregory, and Zoe George. The engineer is William Saunders. The executive producer is Tim Watkin. You can subscribe to every Not Your Average Cricket Show podcast episode at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at radionz.co.nz forward slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on the Ratings and Review tab and then on the stars. It's dead easy and it's really important to us because this way more people get to hear about the podcast. And if you want to share your picks for the winner or tell us how we're doing, then email us at cricket at radionz.co.nz. Nopal, what am I? Catch you later.